0: Well, Merry Christmas, Christ Chapel, and hello to all of you join us at all of our campuses. Uh, Merry Christmas to you. I didn't get to tell you that last weekend, and hope you had a great cantata weekend at your campus with that live preaching. It's a special weekend for just our entire Christ Chapel family, uh, period. Uh, but we are going to continue to worship as we take up an offering. It's very easy to give. If you'd like to give, uh, you can text the code on the screen. Uh, please do that. Or you can give online. Jen and I give online. Or if you brought a physical gift like cash or check, you can drop that in one of those boxes outside of your worship venue. Uh, some of your uh, offerings and ties go to things like disaster relief. I want you to know that we are in talks with one of our partners, Samaritan's Purse. We've partnered with them for many years about the storm relief. Please keep those folks in your prayers that are in Arkansas and Kentucky uh, specifically. So we're seeing how we can partner with them but just want you to know when you give to Christ Chapel, you're giving to wonderful ministries that do outreach, certainly here in our community state but even uh, out of state and obviously uh, around the world. And while we're talking about giving, I do wanna talk about end of year giving very quickly. Uh, Many of you asked about end of year opportunities and we have some wonderful uh, opportunities that you can give toward with that end of year offering. Remember our vision this year is to reach the 800,000 people in our own backyard who do not know or walk with Jesus. And we've talked about taking the approach, the way that we're going to, Lord willing, reach them is through discipleship. It's through us being his disciples, us sharpening one another, making disciples so that we can reach those who can become disciples of Jesus themselves. And so I told you, we highlighted this last week, and I told you we're gonna drill down into specifics. One of the specifics that you can give to is that be Initiative. And one of the things that we want to do, it's actually two things that we want to do with that B1 initiative. The first one is we want to get some technology in so that you can do discipleship in a self-directed, self directed, self paced manner, meaning that we can make everything accessible to you. We have, praise God, wonderful content, great teachers here at Christ Chapel, and we want to make that uh, curriculum and that content available to you so that if you're at work on a lunch break, if you're sitting in a carpool line, if you're on a long uh, plane ride, whatever it is, that you can download that content. You can have it right there to yourself anytime so that you can get that on-the-job kind of discipleship training that you need whenever you need it, but that is a technology need that we need funds for. And the other one is we want to beef up our DTS residency. We have a great relationship and a very privileged opportunity with DTS to have residents here so that they not only can get a DTS degree while they're here at Christ Chapel, but they can get real-time ministry experience, ministering to folks like yourself and understand what those uh, challenges are, but also what those blessings are, how they can navigate ministry. And so we, right now we have just a handful of residents, but we want to increase the number of residents so that they can be one and we can expand the kingdom of God in our own backyard. And so those are the two B1 initiatives. So I'm not asking anybody to give to that today, but what I would ask you to do is to take one of those envelopes that should be right in front of you, uh, take that home, put it in a prominent place in your house and just pray. Just pray and ask the Lord How do you want me to play a part? How do you want my family to play a part in this end of year giving to reach the 800,000 who do not know or walk with Jesus? Can we do that? Okay, thank you. All right, Uh, this uh, Christmas time I know is at a very emotional time for many people, positive emotions, negative emotions, but I just read about a brand new emotion that popped up uh, in these times. And I know you're going, a new emotion, just wait. There's a new emotion that has popped up because of the prominence of online shopping these days. And you guys know many things turned to online after COVID hit and you were stuck at home. And you, were, you had ordered all of these things. And after you order these things, you get an email that in that email has a what? A tracking number. Good. It has a tracking number. And that tracking number is like gold to you you look at that and you go and you click on that tracking number because you want to see where that package is. Now, how many times do you check that per day? Per day! Many people hit that button, the tracking number, track that package multiple times a day, and it's causing people anxiety. This anxiety has a term Experts are studying what they're calling pre-parcel anxiety. I'm not kidding. Pre-parcel anxiety, where people order a package and they get anxious, wondering when is it going to get here? And they click on that tracking number over and over again, and I have to admit, I am guilty. Because I want to to check that package and I want to track it, sometimes because I've ordered the package too late. And, I, and I'm going, please get here on time, please get here on time. And I, I mean, I have sometimes honestly been dependent Upon those tracking numbers, this was a few years ago, but I remember, I told you, Jen and I called this time the Christmas crunch. It seems like everything gets packed into this short, tiny amount of time. Not to mention that our older son Dax's birthday is December 1st. And so all this stuff just gets crammed in here. But I remember there was a few years back a time when we sat down on December 22nd when Amazon Prime, you could for sure get two-day delivery. And we were like, anything that's Prime is fair game because we've gotta get it here in two days by the 24th. And we ordered all the boys' Christmas presents right then. We were dependent upon those tracking numbers. And actually, now this pre-parcel anxiety, as experts study it, can you believe that experts study this stuff? As they study this pre-parcel anxiety, what they're realizing is, it's turning into pre-parcel anger. Because what's happening is, as you know, the supply chain is all gummed up right now, and the packages aren't coming when that initial email told you that it's coming. And you feel like you have been wronged. There is an injustice in the world. Amazon told me my package would be here on this date and it's stuck behind this evergreen boat in the Suez Canal and I am not getting my Christmas socks or whatever you ordered. And it's causing people a lot of anger. These emotions just continue to build this pre-parcel anxiety. With the, this anticipation that is supposed to uh, overwhelm us but also overwhelm us in a great way of things that we look forward to of people that we look forward to seeing of gifts that we look forward to unwrapping is actually being flipped on its head and now we're getting anxious and even angry and those are the emotions that are filling our hearts all because of these little tracking numbers that have these promises that we put our hope in that these will do what they say they're going to do, and the package will be delivered. Well, I I don't have any solutions for you uh, on the supply chain. I'm not gonna talk about budgeting or time management or anything, but I will tell you this. The package that we all need and the package that we celebrate being delivered has been delivered, and it was delivered on time, and I have the tracking numbers To prove it. And that's what we're going to look at today. So, if you will, open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, please. Today, we are beginning our 12 month march through the Gospel of Matthew. And some of you are really excited about that. And some of you say this March sounds like a marathon. 12 months in the same Gospel, But remember, this is to fulfill that vision of what we just talked about, reaching the 800,000 in our own backyard who do not know or walk with Jesus. And that one way, being his disciple, we've got to embody his heart. And if we're going to embody the heart of Jesus, then we have to take an in-depth look at Jesus. And so that's why over the next 12 months, we're gonna be marching through the book of Matthew. And we have some tools that are going to help you. The first is remember, uh, we did this for John, and we're doing the same for Matthew. We have some journals, some scripture journals that we have given you early. Merry Christmas. These arrived on time. Praise God for Kim Simmons, who uh, my assistant, who knocked that out of the park and got them here. Uh, there are none available in the continental United States. Okay, they're all here at Christ Chapel, okay? <laughs> we got them here for you, and those are going to be, you, you uh, can pick those up outside of your venue after the service, and you're meant to go along with us in the Gospel of Matthew so that you can read the scriptures and journal, and you say, what do I journal about? Well, that's the second tool that we have. If you will, and some of you have already done this, text in VISION to 24253, because that means every Monday morning at 8 a.m., you're gonna get a text that has the scripture that we're going to memorize weekly. There's gonna be a new scripture every week. We're doing it just one verse, maybe two, but usually it's just one verse at a time that we're going to memorize. You'll get a text that tells you the scripture memory, and then you'll get a link to the website that will give you some journaling prompts throughout the week, things you can journal about in your new Matthew journal and read the scriptures, and it'll tell you what scriptures to read as we look forward to the next week. And so I want you to use those two tools so that we can embody the heart of Jesus as we march through Matthew Together, but we're not, this isn't just one uh, huge uh, study necessarily or huge uh, series. We're gonna eat this elephant one bite at a time, which is a really weird saying. Has anybody ever eaten an elephant here? Uh, Anyway, you eat it one bite at a time, and what we're gonna do is we are breaking down the Gospel of Matthew into six different mini series. Six different mini series in a sense. So today is beginning our first miniseries and it's called Heaven Sent because we're looking at Jesus' arrival on earth. He was the one who was heaven sent. And the reason why I bring up these tracking numbers to you is because there were tracking numbers in the Old Testament in a sense. Now they weren't numbers, but they were prophecies. Let me define that for you. A prophecy is just a prediction of a future event. That's what prophets did. When we talk about Old Testament prophets, they foretold the future. Here's what is going to happen. Or they delivered a message from God. And there were these Old Testament prophecies that foretold that the Messiah would come. They were, they were foretelling his arrival, that there would be one who is heaven sent. And there are, we're gonna be in a seven week series on this heaven sent to study those different tracking numbers or prophecies that foretold the birth of Jesus. And here's why that's unique to Matthew because you have to know the audience of Matthew. Matthew was written primarily to a Jewish audience. Now who was reading the Old Testament at that time? Jews, Jews were reading the Old Testament at that time. So Jews would have read the the major prophets, the minor prophets, the the Pentateuch. They would have seen these tracking numbers and they would have said, okay, we know the, the who, the where, the how, the what of this Messiah who is going to come. They were tracking that package, wondering when it would arrive and after these prophecies had been given at the close of the new testament before the uh, close of the old testament before the new testament had begun there was this gap in the message of 400 years 400 years the jews were clicking on that tracking number going where is this thing it's it's lost we thought the messiah was coming It's stuck in the Suez Canal. And that anxiety, that pre-parcel anxiety, it started to turn to anger. Where where is he? Where is this one we've been waiting for? The one who is going to save us. But then he arrives. And that's what we're going to pick up on today is Matthew chapter 1. We're gonna cover verses 18 to 25. And I just wanna read the whole thing uh, so that you get a context and a feel for it before we break it down and uh, outline it together. So just follow along with me, please. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother, Mary, had been betrothed to Joseph, betrothed, fancy word for engaged, Before they came together, she was found to be with child from whom? The Holy Spirit. Okay, good. You're following along with me. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man, that means righteous man. The text isn't saying he was just a man. He was a just man, a righteous man, and unwilling to put her to shame, he resolved to divorce her quietly, to break off the engagement, because it seemed that she had been with another man. He didn't know that it was from the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, but as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife to go through with the marriage for that which is conceived in her is not of a man. It's from the Holy Spirit. The second time it says that. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Verse 23, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus, amen. May God bless the reading of his word and may our hearts be open to hear from him. And so the first tracking number that we get is from the prophet Isaiah and I'll I'll cover that in just a moment. But the thing that first strikes me and continues to strike me every time when I read this passage is that there are two names of Jesus. Did anybody else pick that up? I mean, doesn't it sound weird? You go, okay, wait, wait. Is the prophet said that this child will be called Emmanuel, but the angel says that he should be named Jesus. And it seems like there's a contradiction in the, in the scriptures here, but there's not a contradiction, and I'll show you that by the end of our time together. But you've got to understand that names are a huge deal in the Bible, there are two big things that you need to understand about the way names are given in the scriptures. First, whoever gives the name is the one who is in authority over that child. Now, nothing nothing has changed about that today. Parents, the one who are in authority over their children, you give children their, their name, you decide what name they're going to have. So that's, nothing's really changed there. But the second part of names in the scriptures is that that name it gives the child a purpose. This is who you're going to be or, or, or this is what you're going to be about. It, it gives them a direction or a trajectory in their life. Now, many of you don't do this, but, but some of you do because I know you dads, and you want to give this trajectory for your son to be a college athlete, and so you name them Hammer or something like that, and you're like, definitely they're starting for sure with the name Hammer, you know? And it doesn't always work out that way, but in the scripture, it does. And so you've got to understand those names. And so what I want to do is I want to break down those names. Who gave the name, what the name means, what the trajectory it sets for, uh, for uh, Jesus, and then what that means for us today. So let's go back through this and break this down together. First, God gave his son to be Emmanuel, God with us. God gave his son to be Emmanuel. So God is the one who is in authority, gave his son to be Emmanuel, which means God with us. He very explicitly says this in verse 23. It says, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now this is the, the Old Testament prophecy that was given 700 years prior, and I'll, I'll give you some context to that. This is the prophet Isaiah. This is coming from Isaiah seven fourteen. if you want to go back and look that up, and this is a, one of the journal prompts that you'll be studying. But this is Isaiah going to King Ahaz, and the, Ahaz is surrounded by his enemies And he's saying, these were the Assyrians, he's saying, hey, listen, God can deliver you from your enemies. He can deliver you, and as a sign, because you are faithless, in order to have faith, I'll give you a sign. There will be a virgin who will conceive, and then you'll know that God is with you. Now, probably what was going on in that context was that there was a girl in the context of the prophet Isaiah talking to Ahaz, who was unmarried, she was a virgin, and he says, in a future time, later on, she will conceive a son, and then you will know that God is with you. God is with us, God is with your people. This was not a, a second or a first that would make Jesus a second, this was not a first one where a child was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Okay, remember the two places that it says that is only here in the Gospel of Matthew. The prophecy only says a virgin shall conceive and you will call his name Emmanuel. You'll know God is with you. But obviously that prophecy that was given to to Ahaz 700 years ago is being a, a rather even greatly, more greatly if that's even a way to phrase that, is a greater fulfillment in the Gospel of Matthew. That This is something that is similar but is even a greater fulfillment of God with us because that virgin is with child, but it's not conceived by normal biological means. It's conceived by the Holy Spirit because God is going to be with us. You see, Emmanuel was born of a virgin conceived by the Holy Spirit. And this is incredibly important to the Christian faith. Incredibly important, and here's one, just one of the reasons why this the the uh, Holy Spirit conceiving Christ, uh, the second person of the Trinity. It's because we believe, as Christians, we believe in total depravity, and what that means is sin. We believe that human beings are completely sinful, personal sin, but also Imputed sin, sin is imputed to us, and inherited sin. We inherit a sin nature. You see, the reason why you are a sinner, the reason why I'm as a sinner is because I sin. I have personal sin. But also the reason why I sin is because I have inherited and imputed sin to me, meaning I had two parents who were sinners who conceived me. It's their fault. Well, it's their fault and my fault. It's humanity's fault. Total, complete depravity. And the reason why Jesus, it's so important to understand that he was conceived by the Holy Spirit is because he was not depraved. He is God, conceived by the Holy Spirit, That is huge for our faith. And you say, Cody, I I can't believe in that. I believe in Jesus, but I don't believe in the virgin birth. Hold on. You believe in the resurrection, right? You, You believe that in the beginning God created. You believe in all these other miracles, why not this one? This is just as miraculous as everything else that God has done. But he's not just God in the flesh, he is God in the flesh, but he also, Emmanuel came as a baby, humble and approachable. And this is something that I want to key in on for just a second, because if you look back at the Old Testament, if you remember the things that, uh, the, the way that God manifested himself in the Old Testament, they were pretty ominous forces, when God shows himself to Job, it's in a tornado or a whirlwind. When God comes to Moses, it's, it's a burning bush. When God shows himself to the Israelite people and leads and guides them in the wilderness, he's a pillar of fire. These very strong, uh, uh, as, as I said, just huge forces. And now, God shows himself not as mighty, but as tiny. <laughs> And and he's this this baby, this this humble, approachable child, very very vulnerable state, flesh. You know, babies, especially when they're super young, they, they don't even really care who holds them. They they oftentimes just just wanna wanna be held. And and, and babies are very approachable. You you can definitely approach the only person that babies don't like are Santa Claus. That's, that's it. Plenty of pictures to prove that. But everybody else, babies love. You you can certainly approach a baby and Jesus comes, takes on flesh, Emmanuel, God with us, as this humble, approachable child. See, Emmanuel means that God wants to be with you. I, I want you to understand that. God wants To be with you. And he jumped over every obstacle to be with you. I don't know if sometimes during the the Christmas season there are gatherings going on, and maybe you even feel this way sometimes in normal life, but maybe you feel like there are people that don't want to be around you. And that hurts your feelings. That's real. I, I, I get that, I understand that. But there is one who set aside heaven, perfection, to take on flesh in a very humble and approachable way because he wants to be with you. That's what Emmanuel means. God gave him that name because his purpose was to be with you. But there's a second name. The second name is Joseph, the one that Joseph gave his son. Joseph gave his son the name Jesus, which means the one who saves. So God has authority over Jesus. Jesus is the second person of the Trinity. He gives his son the name Emmanuel, God with us. But Joseph is the one who's going to give his son a second name, but don't miss who's in authority first. God. God is in authority first. So much so that he sends an angel to Joseph to tell Joseph what he's going to name his child. He says, "Joseph, I know you want your son to have a division 1 scholarship." and you want to name him Hammer, okay? His name is gonna be Jesus. That's what he says here in verses 21 and 25. He says, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And then verse 25, but Joseph knew her not. That means he did not sleep with her, uh, with Mary. Knew her not until she had given birth to a son, which holds the purity of the virgin birth, conception by the Holy Spirit alone, and he called his name Jesus. Now Jesus, you need to understand what that means. Jesus, if you break it down, it's actually a Hellenized way, I mean Greek way, of saying Yeshua, or Joshua is the Old Testament name for Jesus in a sense. And that yea means God. Shua saves. And don't miss the connection there of the Old Testament Joshua, that after the law was given through Moses, Joshua, Yeshua, comes to save the people and to carry them into the promised land. Okay, lots of Old Testament connections. Super cool that we don't have time for. But he says... You shall call his name Yeshua. God saves. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. This gives the purpose and direction of his life. That yes, he's going to be God with us, but you will save God's people from their sins. You see, Jesus took on flesh to relate to our everyday lives. The way that he can save us from our sins is to first understand the things that we go through, to understand the world that you walk in. And you say, Cody, if, if, if you only walked a mile in my shoes, a very common phrase, Jesus walked more than one mile in your shoes. He can relate to you. He understands the things that you go through. He understands the emotions that you feel Feel, but Jesus took on flesh to live the sinless life that we could never live. That's why He took on flesh because He came to live the life that you could never live because He's going to die the death that He doesn't want you to die. That's that's why. See, that means that Jesus, while He took on flesh, never sinned. Why? Go back to what we just talked about because he wasn't totally depraved. He didn't have personal sin. He didn't have imputed sin. He didn't have inherited sin. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And so that means when he was a toddler, never selfish. When he was a teenager, never rude. When he was an adult, plenty of adjectives there. Take your pick. Never sinned. Never. He took on flesh to live the life you and I could never live. You see, what Jesus means is that God made a way to always be with you. God is holy, and you are not, and I'm not. And the way that Jesus came to be with us, to make a way to be with us, was to take on flesh, pay the penalty for our sins by dying on the cross to substitute his life his sinless life for our sinful life. You see, the reason why these names are not a contradiction is because he could never be Emmanuel, God with us, if he wasn't Jesus, the one who saves us from our sins. He can't be with us with our sin. He's holy, he can never be around sin. That's why Jesus had to come and pay for our sins So that we could be with him. Those names are not contradictory, they're complementary. And that's a beautiful thing that we celebrate this Christmas season. You see, the one who is heaven sent was sent for you. That's why. You're like, Cody, I never received this tracking number. I didn't know this package was for me. It was for you. It was for you. That's why he came. And this may be, he may be the gift you never knew that you needed, never knew that you wanted. But he came to provide wonderful gifts for you as he is a gift in himself. And I just wanna go through three very quickly. First, as a gift to you, sent to you, he provides you salvation. You see, God's own people are the ones he saves from their sins. God's own people are the one he saves from their sins. And I want to go back to what he talks about here with those names, okay? Go back and look at these very very quickly with me. Just go to the first one, Emmanuel. The, The virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with whom? Us. Very specific pronoun there. Okay, go, go back to Jesus. Why, does he, why do, is he gonna call his name Jesus in verse 21? For he will save, he will save us. He will save his people from their sins. Some very specific pronouns, folks, pronouns matter. He doesn't say here that God will save all people from their sins. He doesn't say, God, you know, he will be Emmanuel, God with all. He says God with us. See, the only way that you're in the us, the only way that you are his is if he saves you from your sins. Salvation. Will you receive that gift? It's a free gift. Just like when the package is delivered to to your home, will you open the door? Will you take it in? Will you open it, call it your own? Will you bring him into your life? He stands at the door. (laughs) He's ready to be received by you. He's not Emmanuel to all. He's Emmanuel with us, those who receive his free gift of salvation. The second is security. God gives his people an unshakable identity, destiny, and purpose. You know, it's amazing when we think about um, this just identity in general. One of the gifts that are, is, has become a very popular gift to give even these days, maybe you've given it or received it or will give it this holiday season, It are these gifts of like Ancestry.com or 23andMe and all these things where people wanna go back and search their, their background and, and understand where they came from and what their ancestors, where they were from and what they did and what they're like and all those things. And all of those things are... are Great, those, thing, those things are interesting. But something, let me ask you as interesting as those things are, what effect does that have on who you will be? You get to make that choice. And, the, and we search for those things that give us identity because we all want to know who should we be. Give us a direction, a purpose for our lives. And that's why I think these gifts are so popular and people go to those things because they want a grounding. And guess what? Our grounding is in who we are as God's children. He gives us identity. He gives us purpose. He gives us direction. And those things are unshakable. It doesn't matter if my ancestors were reprobates it doesn't matter if they were robbers or burglars or whatever uh, uh, sinful sinful dark people it doesn't matter because when I become his I become somebody different that's the way that I mean first John 3 1 God lavishes his love on us in this that we should be called the children of God and that gives us a brand new destiny And it doesn't matter who we were in the past. It doesn't matter how we were related or where we come from. What's far more important is whose we are and where we're headed. That's the direction and the purpose and that is unshakable. And that's the security that he offers us in Jesus. And then finally, he gives us sympathy. God understands our struggles and strengthens us to endure. The fact that he takes on flesh to relate to our everyday experiences, he knows what it feels like. And I don't know what you're experiencing or going to experience this holiday season. As I said at the beginning, I know that there's a mixed bag of emotions. Some positive, some negative, some just plain awkward. And Jesus understands them all. But he doesn't just offer sympathy. Sometimes sympathy is all we have to offer. And we can just say, gosh, that's hard. I don't know what that feels like. I feel for you. But Jesus offers us not only sympathy, but strength to endure. And part of that is supernatural, but part of that also comes from the community. And we get a picture of what that community looks like and the one who binds us together when we approach the Lord's table together. And that's what we're gonna do right now in all of our venues is we're gonna take communion together. So if you're on the internet campus, please go ahead and get those supplies together. But let me pray for us and thank God. Lord, we thank you that you are Emmanuel, God with us. That you are the one, Jesus, who saves us from our sins. God, you're the only one who could save us. And we thank you that you took all the initiatives and you jumped through all the hoops and over all the hurdles to be with us and to make a way for us to always be with you. You are the one we celebrate, Lord. You are the one we've waited for. You are the one we put all of our hope and our trust in. We thank you for who you are that is unshakable and that we can put our faith in you. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.